You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. I I think I said this at the very beginning of the service, but I'll say it again. It's kind of a strange thing, if you think about it, that Jesus, God's own Son, the Christ, that it was necessary for him to be tempted Now, you and I might think that after a baptism, the kind of which, you know, the heavens open up, there's a booming voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son, and then also you see the Holy Spirit himself descending bodily in the form of a dove, that Jesus, maybe his next order of business would be to go and to sit in palaces or to go and to fight glorious battles. But instead, what do we see? We see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He's made to fast for 40 days and for 40 nights. And I think that when St. Matthew says that Jesus was hungry, uh, I can scarcely imagine a greater understatement. Our first lesson, therefore, about what it means to be the Christ, and publicly to be the Christ, is that he must suffer. It is that he submits to the Father's will and the Holy Spirit's direction, even if it means that he has to go straight into the jaws of the ancient serpent. So why would Jesus do this? Why would he weaken himself and then, only after becoming so weak and frail, face up to the devil? It's because, it's because Adam failed. And it's because you and I, we fail. You heard these familiar words from Genesis this morning, from chapter 3. In a garden abounding with comfort, joy, and contentment, one man's weakness, one man's weakness to temptation, opened the gates of hell. And it filled creation with sin and death and condemnation. The devil comes after Jesus, not in a garden, but in the wilderness. Not while Jesus is strong and well-fed, but while he is weak and starving. But even though the devil used the same lies, he failed. And Jesus' faithfulness against temptation, the fact that the devil came after him and failed, this is your joy and your comfort this morning. Especially since... In your own baptism, uh, you're not thrown into a glorious and comfortable life, but you are baptized into a life of, of enduring the devil's attacks, a life of suffering, and a life of temptation. But dear saints, don't lose heart. St. Paul says, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This morning we meditate on how Jesus suffered and overcame temptation for your righteousness. So how do you get righteousness out of Jesus' Jesus' temptation? Or perhaps, maybe we should ask, uh, why would Jesus have to suffer in the first place? But to get confused as to why Jesus should suffer is to, to be confused as to why Jesus God's own Son would bear your frail human flesh. 
You see, he didn't come into creation to save angels or to help or to help just rocks or animals. He came to save and to help human beings, people just like you. In fact, he came to help you. People who had been corrupted by the stain of sin, who are enslaved through fear of death to the devil. In Hebrews we read, he had to be made like his brothers, that is, made like you in the flesh, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now just think about that for a second. To be made like us in every respect, to take on human flesh and blood, means that he could be tempted, just like you are tempted, to face the same temptations that you face every single day. And though you fail and fall short, Jesus' victories over the enticements of the world, the flesh, and the devil, his victories over them were perfect. They were faultless. His righteous victory over the devil isn't just for his own bragging rights. It's so that he could be for you, your faithful and merciful high priest. It may seem a bit strange, but actually being a high priest and overcoming temptation are, are, are very, very related. And they have a lot to do with one another. Now, when we usually think about the priestly and sacrificial service of Jesus, of making propitiation for the sins of the people, what first comes to our mind? Of course, it's the suffering and the death of Jesus upon the cross, right? And it's by this suffering and death that you have a kind and loving Heavenly Father towards you, as opposed to a Heavenly Father who is angry at you because of your sins. But Christ's sacrificial service isn't limited merely to suffering divine wrath, because here in this gospel, as you see Jesus actively working to obtain to the maximum degree possible His Father's approval through His works, through His works to gain righteousness, not for Himself. He was already righteous in and of Himself, but He gained righteousness for you. And so Jesus sacrifices death, wipes the slate clean, right? And in your baptism, what do you gain but a slate full of all of the works that Jesus has done perfectly and without fault? And that's why, that's why he's baptized with sinners. He didn't need to be baptized with sinners. John knew that when he came to be baptized by, by John. You remember what happened? John said, hey, I'm, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. But what did Jesus say? Do you guys remember? He said, it is thus fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Not his own righteousness, but your righteousness. The righteousness of sinners who come to be baptized. That's what you gain in your baptism. And see this. See how Jesus didn't cut any corners. He got the full brunt of the world's and the devil's anger and their attacks. And as great as his suffering was under these temptations and attacks, so also is your salvation great. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Dear saints, your help is in Jesus, by faith in his work and his word. The devil has already been defeated in your life, and your salvation is right now safe and secure. 
Christ's righteousness has been given to you in full, not in part, but in full. At the very moment of your baptism, you had all of it, all of your salvation. But just like Jesus and his baptism, so you and your baptism are cast not into paradise, but into the wilderness, the wilderness of this fallen world. And here in this wilderness, the devil continues to prowl around like a roaring lion, looking for Christians to devour. Christians to devour by robbing them of the source of their salvation, of their hope, of their faith, by snatching away from them the holy word, the word that saves them. Now, Jesus knows this. He knows what you are, what you have been cast into. He knows the kind of life that you live, the temptations that you face every day. And so, and so that's why he also wants you to know that the word of God that saves you is in this life also your armor and your defense. And so that you can say with St. Paul, hear his word and, and to, 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 to do it is to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so this is the second lesson of Jesus' temptation. He shows you how to fight, how to fight back against three separate temptations. The temptation to doubt God's word, the temptation to misquote God's word, and finally, the temptation to discard God's word. So let's start with the first one. Uh, what is turning loaves into bread? Or I, I have to get that right. What does turning stones into loaves of bread have to do with temptation? Now, you and I might think, if I've been in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights, and if I'm the Son of God, I have power and authority over creation. Really, what's wrong with changing a few measly stones into bread so that I can eat, that I can regain my strength, right? What's wrong with that? But pay attention to how the devil comes after Jesus. What is it that the Father said at Jesus' baptism? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Satan begins his temptation in this way. If you are the son of God, if you are, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now that's, that's a pretty, that's pretty chocked full. There's two different temptations going on here. Uh, and the first one is to doubt God's word. It's the doubt, it's the temptation to doubt what Jesus' heavenly Father said at his own baptism. The truth of his voice and what he preached there. It's as if the devil is saying, why are you out here suffering? When your own heavenly Father supposedly told you that you are his son. Why are you suffering when you should be living in glory? If you are who you say you are, prove it by putting all this suffering behind you and turning these stones into bread so that you can finally have a bite to eat. Come on. And then second, you can also see the temptation to seek after the needs and the desires of this life apart from the Father's will and apart from the Father's ways of providing for your needs. Now, this is always something that the devil does with temptation. Uh, He holds out before your eyes something that is, in fact, good in and of itself. Is bread evil? Is choosing bread evil? Of course not. You need bread to live, and your Heavenly Father wants to give it to you. 
What's evil is seeking this bread. Apart from how your Heavenly Father provides for you. And now you see how that happens, right? Especially now during tax season. I need a little more bread on the table. If I fudge a little bit here on on this form, maybe I can have some more bread. That's not how your Heavenly Father wants to provide for you. He wants you to give your taxes unto Caesar, right? And then also to trust in his kindness and his mercy to also, and above that, to give you your bread, even if you can't at this moment understand how he might do it. The devil always wants to give us all of the great and wonderful things that we, that we, uh, can, that, that we confess that our Father gives us in the first article of the Creed, right? And also in the, in, in, in the fourth petition, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. The devil wants us to find these things apart from our Heavenly Father's hand, apart from the commandments also that are there to protect these gifts that your Father wants to give you. Now, Jesus' response is beautiful in its simplicity. You see, Jesus doesn't go into a lengthy argument with the devil, uh, trying to explain to him exactly why he's out there fasting and suffering so that, you know, he can give all of these wonderful uh, righteous works to you and your baptism. The devil's not worth even the time to explain it. And so Jesus says what the law says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, this is good for you to remember as well, because even though, even though seeking after your daily bread, apart from how your Heavenly Father wants to give it to you, may give you a little bit of satisfaction and comfort for this moment right now, I guarantee it will not help you in the moment of death or in the day of judgment. Instead, the bread by which you will live in those moments and on that day will be the bread of God's word, the bread of Christ's righteousness. Now, the devil seems to up his game a little bit in the second temptation. He knows that, okay, Jesus loves his heavenly Father and he loves the word. He loves the Holy Scriptures. Well, now I know that temptation has to come somewhere from inside the Holy Scriptures. And so he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and he says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And that, by the way, is from Psalm 91, which we sang together for the introit and the tract and, and, uh, and also in the gradual. Never mind that uh, we also sang, as part of Psalm 91, the part about you know, Jesus trampling underfoot uh, the lion and the serpent. <laughs> the devil left that part out. Uh, but now you can see the temptation. It's to pick and choose which verses you like in the Holy Scriptures and then to run with them, right? And in fact, every error and heresy that has come, uh, that is, that has come about in this world has come as a result of this temptation to mutilate God's word, to pick and choose which verses I want and to discard the rest of it. This is refusing to read the Holy Scriptures as God himself presents them. Of demanding that God prove himself to your system of doctrine according to the holy parts of the Holy Scripture that, that you happen to like. Now, for Jesus, the temptation was to throw, to throw himself off the top of a building, to, 
to see if God would remain faithful to his promise, right? To bear him up with his angels. But Luther uh, uh, points out this interesting little bit uh, that the devil left out of the temptation, or, or actually out of the words of Psalm 91. In Psalm 91, is, uh, we read that the Lord promises to protect you in all your ways. That is, the Lord promises to defend and to protect you in all, uh, in all the ways of life that have been already outlined for you in the Ten Commandments. The ways of life that God has given you according to your vocations. You see, the Lord is more than happy to look out for and to watch over uh, parents and other authorities, mothers who care for their children. Uh, he's, he's happy to look out uh, for those people, uh, for husbands and wives, and he indeed takes care of them every, every single moment of this existence. He's upholding these vocations according to his mercy and according to his kindness. But what you don't see your Heavenly Father doing is going out of his way to catch people mid-air who decide to jump off of buildings. Because that's ignoring the needs of your neighbor. That's putting God to the test. And so also, dear Christians, beware of the devil coming after you with the scriptures that are designed to test the Lord's goodness and his mercy towards you, as if the gospel needed to somehow be confirmed apart from the actual preaching of the gospel as if the preaching wasn't good enough, that you needed something else besides it to finally to help you to make up your mind. And so learn to say with your Lord Jesus, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, there's one last temptation, and appropriately enough, it brings us back to the cup of suffering that has been handed to Jesus in this wilderness. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Ironically enough, the devil is offering to Jesus exactly what Jesus is in this world to obtain. Jesus desires these kingdoms. These peoples who have been lost in sin. Who have been handed over to their sinful desires and their enslavement to the devil. He desires them. He wants them. But now the devil is offering them to Jesus without blood, without sweat, without fasting, without the cross, and without the death that his heavenly Father has set before his Son. He's offering the world and its glory without a drop of suffering. And dear saints, this is truly where the devil always gets us. Because it's always easier and more comfortable to pursue idols than it is to remain steadfast in faith towards the true God. Because the devil wants to remind you that your baptized life isn't easy. That you have many temptations that you have to fight against. He wants to set before you the suffering and say, can you really do it? Do you have the strength within you? Now you and I are weak. We have broken this first commandment. We have not feared, loved, or trust in God above all things. Instead, we do chase after the idols that Satan sets out before us. But for this moment, for this moment of your weakness, Jesus 
remained strong. He said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. As soon as Jesus says this, the devil left him. And dear saints, every time you say these same words, the devil can do nothing but flee before you. And so also against your temptations, against Satan's accusations and attacks, Jesus is here, standing strong with you today. And he rebukes the evil one with his word. The word preached here. The word made body and blood for you to eat and to drink. This is Jesus standing with you, saving you. And where this word stands, the devil must and will fall. The law will overcome lawlessness and false comforts. And the gospel will give the comfort of salvation and eternal life to you. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.